And the title of this morning's message is, and I wish we had our monitors because I did this most amazing graphic. If you could see it, it's an amazing graphic. I just want you to use your imagination and picture up on the big screen the most amazing graphic you've ever seen for an introduction to a sermon. That's what I did. And the title of this morning's message is More Powerful. You know that if you've been with RLC for any length of time, you know that my commission by the Lord is to preach on three things. When I was in Edinburgh many years ago, the Lord said, there are three things you must know if you're going to serve me successfully. And he gave me these three things, and pretty much ever since then, that's all I've ever preached on. Number one, we need to know who our Father is. Not according to tradition and denomination and religion. Not according to your Aunt Sue and your Uncle Joe. But according to what the Bible says. Who God is. Who your Father is. Number two, how great His love is for you. And then number three, and this is the one where most people trip up and fail to understand, is who we are in Him. If we know these three things... We will be victorious in life and fulfilled in God. In fact, I want to say if we know these three things, we become unmanageable by the devil. It really don't matter what he does. If we know who our Father is, how great his love is for us, and who we are in him, it doesn't really much matter what the devil does. You're not susceptible to the deception, and you don't give in to the weapons. But we need to know those three things. And many... Perhaps most do not know those three things. It seems as if most of the body of Christ labors under the idea. Now, hear this when I say this. They labor under the idea that as the body, as the church, we're common, ordinary, and impotent before the crisis of our day. But I want to argue something different today. I want to reveal to you who you are because... I believe as the body of Christ, and if you're saved, you're in the body of Christ. You know that, right? Yes, sir. As the body of Christ, you have more power than you've ever exercised. And you have a greater level of authority than you perhaps have ever realized. You are more than who you appear to be. And it's in the understanding of who you are that's going to set you free to be what he called you to be. Because you can't be what he called you to be believing you're something other than that. Amen. You understand that, right? Doesn't that make sense? And see, this is the trick of religion. They get you to believe that you've got to think less of yourself. And they'll always bring up one verse. Well, you know, you ought not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. And that's true. But let's keep it in its setting. What that's saying, what the apostle is saying is that you ought not to think salvation is something you did. And that you're not made righteous by your own works. It ain't in you. But the the apostle goes on to say we ought to think according to faith. Faith comes by the word. So that means we ought to think of ourselves in alignment with the word. That's thinking of ourselves in alignment with faith. And if you know who you are according to the word, baby, you are invincible. You are powerful. You are something to behold because you are recreated in the image of Christ. So not only are you not impotent, you're powerful. Not only are you not common, you're uncommon. You're more powerful than you've ever realized. And so I want to give you three verses as we get started 
And consider these evidence. Three articles of evidence. If I'm going to try and convince you that you're more than who you've been made to believe you are, I've got to give you some evidence. The best evidence in the world is the Bible. Amen, because this ain't no ordinary book. This ain't no common book. This is the Almighty God speaking to His people. Amen. So article number one, Luke chapter four, verse 18. Y'all here this morning. Yes, Reading this to you out of the New Living Translation, this is our Messiah when He's giving His mission statement. You remember He stood up, He took the scroll, and He read this out of the book of Isaiah, and He said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has... Anointed me. The Spirit, everyone say Spirit. Of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me. To bring good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me. Now, article number two, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit. Isn't that what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me. And then in Acts chapter 10, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him now you and I need to understand that the good that Jesus did he did because he was anointed by the spirit the healing that Jesus did he did because he was anointed by the spirit the good and the healing were the outpouring or the working of the anointing he was anointed. And the anointing that was upon him enabled him to change lives, alter destinies, and affect history. Amen. Now, let's look at article number three. And trust me when I tell you, we could go to a lot of verses. But this is a rabbit-free day because you got work to do after service. <laughs> if we were in our place, there'd be lots of rabbits. And we'd be chasing every one of them. Because I got to say, the, the, my heartbeat, the, the message that beats strongest in me is identification. For you and I to wake up and realize who we are. The spirit of religion has deceived us into believing we're weak and impotent. And we won't be happy till we get over there. The spirit of revelation has awakened us and told us you're just like the begotten son of God. You're like the Holy One of Israel. You're recreated in his image. So stand up, walk out, and behave like you are who he made you to be. Quit acting miserable and start acting mighty. Amen? Quit, be, quit whining about your environment and speak to your mountains and they'll change. Because you're not created to be an orphan. You're created unto good works. So in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, everyone say, if it's written, our uncertainty is unnecessary. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. That's in the B-I-B-L-E. 
But you, everyone say, that's me. Yeah, you is me, and me is you. That kind of sounds like a Beatles song, don't it? But you is in here. But you, everyone say, that's me. Have an anointing. You, that's me, have an anointing. Why? Because I'm in the body of Christ, the anointed one. Can I say that? It's impossible. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how you behaved. Most of us labor all of our lives under a, 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 a false sense of identity anyhow. So it doesn't, you don't need to feel anointed to be anointed because the anointing ain't got nothing to do with your feelings. So you can act like you ain't anointed. You're still anointed. You just don't know how to act like you're anointed yet because you've been afraid all your life to say, I'm anointed like your master said. Your master stood up and said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. When's the last time we stood up and looked at the problems of life and said, the spirit of the Lord is on me, bro, for he has anointed me to kick your hiney. See, we need to learn to say that. We need to quit being timid in the face of opposition and stand up and to our mountain and say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. For you have an anointing. And I love what the Spirit of Grace said here from the Holy One. Meaning this ain't no cheap, second-rate, knockoff, made-in-China, pleather, imitation anointing this ain't something that's going to fail you this is an anointing that's of the holy one it's the one that sat on him for the spirit of god placed it upon him and he placed it upon you so you are anointed everything you face in life you face as the anointed of God. Every problem that comes your way, you face it as the anointed of God, not the disappointed of God. The anointed of God, not the disappointed of God. Well, I wish God would. He's wishing you would. Wishing I would what? Wishing that you would stand up and behave as a child of the king. And speak to those things that oppose you. And quit mistaking timidity with humility. Did you hear what I just said? Because being timid and humble are not the same thing. Jesus was humble, but Jesus wasn't timid. Moses was meek, but Moses wasn't timid. This might be our last service, but I'm going to preach. I'm going to leave something in the tiles for those who come after us. Listen, these are just three verses. I could present you a lot more, but like I said, I ain't chasing rabbits. But if I was chasing a rabbit, but I'm not. But if I were. There's a really fluffy bunny in 1 John, the fourth chapter. I ain't chasing it, but I'm going to describe it to you so you can chase it. You are of God. 
You belong to him. That's what the Bible says. And have already, I'm reading this to you out of the Amplified, already defeated and overcome them. Remember what we've been preaching the past couple weeks? Already blessed? Have already defeated and overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist. Now, just so you know, this means both natural and spiritual. You've already defeated those who come against you. Now, see, can you imagine how that would have changed our approach if we understood that? Then we wouldn't approach life as someone trying to win. We've already won. You've already overcome them. Why? Because he who lives in you is greater, mightier than he who is in the world. Now listen. The, you know, he's not just called the great one. Because if he was a great one, there could be one equally as great. He's called the greater one. The Holy Spirit's a perfect teacher. The greater one is in you. Why? Because there's none greater than. Hello? The greater one. Greater than what? Greater than everything. Greater than anything. Greater than any weapon ever formed or any weapon that ever will be formed. Greater than any problem you've ever faced or greater than any problem you've yet to face. The greater one, greater than what? Greater than all of it. He's not just a great one. There's been lots of greats. Alexander the Great, Marcus the Great, Jimmy the Great. I just threw that in there to see if you were listening. But there's a greater one, and of that one there is none greater. And that greater one abides in you with all of his greatness. Now that's just the rabbit I ain't chasing. But if I were to chase that, we could run that one down a long ways. And there's another pretty rabbit found in Isaiah. But I ain't chasing this one either. I just want to describe it to you. Isaiah chapter 54, again out of the Amplified. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. That means these tongues that wag and say, you ain't never going to make it. Your success is going to show them they were wrong. Those tongues that said that you will not live a long, satisfied life, but you're going to die early and miserably, your long, satisfied life will show them that they were wrong. Those lives that said, those tongues that said you'll never succeed, you'll never know prosperity, that your prosperity is going to show them they were wrong. You'll show them. Why? Because you're more powerful than you realize. Nah. The, this, listen to this, this peace, righteousness, security, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Those in whom the ideal servant of the Lord is reproduced. That's Jesus, by the way. This is the righteousness or the vindication which they obtain 
from me. This is that which I impart to them as their justification, says the Lord. So the Lord has declared prophetically, if you want to hear it that way, ain't no weapon. Oh, Lord, I wish you'd give me a prophetic word. I'm giving you one, bro. Right here. This is a more sure word of prophecy than you've ever heard in all of your life. Ain't no weapon. Big weapon, small weapon, green weapon, red weapon, blue weapon. Pretty weapon, ugly weapon. Ain't no weapon. That's ever going to be formed against you can prosper. And every word spoken over you in judgment you shall show to be in the wrong. This is the heritage that you receive from the Lord. Amen. But I ain't chasing those down. I just want to stick with the three I've already read. Listen to this. Every member of the body, everyone, from the oldest to the youngest, from the richest to the poorest, from the tallest to the shortest, from the thinnest to the fattest, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, in Christ is more powerful than any crisis life will ever bring your way. You, you were not created to lose. You were not created to be defeated. You were recreated in Christ for dominion, to win, to have victory. It doesn't matter what they say. If they don't know who your father is, don't listen to them. If they don't know how great your father's love is towards you, don't listen to them. And if they have no clue who a born-again child of God is, don't listen to them. If they confuse sinner with saint, if they think that you're under old covenant rules and regulations, don't listen to them. Because you're born again, you're in the kingdom. You ain't under the old covenant. When's the last time you killed a cow in church? You ain't under the old covenant. You're under the new covenant. All of the rules have been fulfilled. By who? By Him. So now we live victoriously. Why? Because we are in Him. Over 130 times in the New Testament, it talks about being in Him. Let me, let, me, let me share with you a story. This is a true story. How many of you ever heard of John Alexander Dowie? John Alexander Dowie, one of the greatest healing evangelists to ever walked this planet, but he wasn't always so. He was a Scottish man serving as a missionary in the nation of Australia and pastoring a small church. And this is what he wrote. In 1875, when the bubonic plague struck the planet, in one month, he buried 40 members of his church. In one month, he buried 40 members of his church. And then in one day, four more died. And he shares the story. He went home when he got news of the fourth one having died, and he cried. He sat at his desk, and he said, God, is this you? Are you going to kill all of them? Are you going to take them all? Did you ordain this? Did you orchestrate this? Because, see, that's the teaching of the day. And how many of you know that's still hanging around like a rancid piece of meat? Stinks and it smells, but you hold on to it. God did not ordain your misery. 
So John Alexander Dowie, he said, are you going to take every one of them? And these are his words. Are you the author of this? He was heartsick at the thought of the families that would be torn apart by this plague, at the children who would be left orphans. He wrote these words that he stumbled upon, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, article number 2, that I presented to you. And it stood out before him as a light, listen to this, showing Satan as the defiler and Christ as the healer. He read the words, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Mr. Dowie wrote these words, my tears I wiped away. My heart was made strong. I saw the way of healing and the door there too was opened wide. So I said, God help me now to preach the word to all the dying and tell them how it's Satan who defiles, and Jesus still delivers, for he is just the same today. He did not have to long to wait. Within minutes, two young men burst into his study and pleaded breathlessly, Come at once, Mary is dying, the fifth one. Mr. Dowie ran down the street after them, not even pausing to take his hat. He was furious that Satan should have attacked this innocent young member of his flock. Dr. Dowie entered Mary's room and found her in convulsions. Her medical doctor, having given up on her, was preparing to leave. He turned to Dr. Dowie and remarked, Sir, are not God's ways mysterious? The revelation Dr. Dowie had just received from the word of God was burning in his heart. So he thundered, God's way? How dare you call that God's way? No, sir, that is the devil's work. Can I chase a rabbit just briefly? As a church, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about the church, we're far too timid. We're so afraid of offending anyone. And I'm not talking about being belligerent and mean and disguising it as I'm prophetic. No, you just mean. I ain't talking about that. But I'm talking about when we're so afraid of offending someone that we compromise our kingdom identity in order to win your friendship. Can I tell you something? If I got to compromise who I am in the kingdom to win your friendship, your friendship's too expensive for me. Because I don't mean to offend, but I'm not going to lay down what he died so I could become just so you're not offended by my boldness. When we're afraid of, listen, do you think, do you think when Jesus went into the room and he, he, he cast them out, all of the professional mourners who were there playing games, he cast them out. He, I'm sure they were offended. But do you think the little girl he raised from the dead was offended? My wife and I know a man who's now in heaven. But there was a day some years ago that his wife was lying in a hospital bed dying. It was of lupus, right? Lupus. And she came from a very large family of Christian thugs. What do you mean by that? They were Christian, but they'd beat the snot out of you and then repent for doing it. They hadn't quite repented of thuggery. And there were a bunch of them. 
And they were all in her hospital room mourning her passing. She was still alive, but they were talking about God's will. He walked in and he ran every one of them out, risking his life. They were thugs. He ran them out. She's alive today. Do you think she was offended by the fact that he ran her family out? No, see, what I'm trying to tell you is let's be friendly, but not to the point of being powerless. If I can't, if I got to surrender my kingdom identity in the boldness and I can't say that's the devil and we ain't tolerating it because you might get offended. We ain't going to change the world by wearing tight jeans. We got to have some power. So he challenged, this is going back to our story, he challenged the doctor who was a member of his congregation. He said, can you pray the prayer of faith that saves the sick? And the doctor replied, you're too excited, sir. You're too emotional. Tis best to say God's will be done. And he left. Dr. Dowie said, excited? That word was inadequate, for I was almost frenzied with divinely imparted anger and hatred of the foul destroyer disease which was doing Satan's will. Listen, if we realized who we were, we would not be afraid of viruses, of demons, of darkness, of devils. If we, if we know... I notice I didn't get much clapping on that. I ain't trying to offend you, but so be it if it does, because we got to realize if we are in Christ, we ain't got nothing to be afraid of. What do you got to be afraid of if no weapon formed against you can prosper? What do you got? Not be wise. I don't care what you do, but don't be afraid. No fear here. He went on to say, it is not so. I exclaim, no will of God sends such cruelty. And I shall never say God's will be done to Satan's works, which God's own son came to destroy. And this is one of them. He said, oh, how the word of God was burning in my heart. Now, the, the verse he was quoting is 1 John chapter 3. That says, in part, the son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Now, it's real, it's real important that we understand this. Now, Jesus said he came not to do his own will, but the will of the one who sent me. So that means it's the will of the Father to destroy the works of the devil. Not to tolerate nor entertain, nor does he use the tools of the devil to perfect the work of the kingdom. It's the will of the Father who sent the Son to destroy the works of the devil. And this was his purpose. Now this word destroy, everyone look at me. It doesn't mean dismantle. Zach will know this. You can take some things apart carefully so you can reconstruct them later. You take it apart, but you take it apart in such a way that with just a little bit of effort, you can put it back together. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus burned the thing down. And then he took the charcoal 
and he ground it into powder. And he mixed the powder into water and he dumped it in the ocean so you could never put it back together. That's what the word destroy means. It means to obliterate so that there's no more trace of it. When the sun sets you free, you can never... There's nothing the devil can do to bind you again because the chains that he used to bind you have been burned down, ground up, poured into the ocean, and you can't put them back together. Everyone say the anointing. anointing. This is what the anointing does. If you and I would realize just who he made us to be, This is what you'd be doing to the works of the devil, not only in your life, but the lives of your community. When you saw the devil in action, you'd say, hey, that ain't God. Powerful. Isn't this good? This is helping me. This is what the anointing, this is what the anointing in your life is intended for. The anointing in your life is not to make you a superstar. The anointing in your life is to make you a destroyer of the devil's works. That everywhere you encounter what the devil's done, you burn it down. We're the end. Listen, that when you wake up in the morning, the devil, those who know their God, this is written in the book of Daniel, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. When you wake up in the morning, the devil cries out to a God he don't even have a relationship with. He says, oh, my God, they woke up again. Quick, more pills, keep them asleep. Why? Because he knows as soon as you go out the door, something's getting burned. Someone's getting set free. The anointing that's on you is capable of and eager to accomplish the will of God. Furious. I'm only on page two. Fur- Where'd the clock go? I guess it got packed. Furious at Satan's work. Dr. Dowie then prayed the prayer of faith for Mary, and the girl's convulsions immediately ceased. He had only just read one. Well, Pastor, that's Dr. Dowie. No, bro, listen to what I just told you. In one month, 40 died. In one day, four more died. Mary was number five. This was no Christian superstar. This was a man in agony until he read one verse. He read one verse. And he prayed for Mary based upon one verse. Immediately her convulsions ceased, and she fell into such a deep sleep that her mother worried she had died. She isn't dead, the triumphant Dr. Dowie assured her. After several minutes, Dr. Dowie awakened Mary. She turned to her mother and said, Mother, I feel so well. Dr. Dowie quietly thanked God and went into the next room where Mary's brother and sister laid with the same plague. After prayer, they too were completely healed. From that day on, Dr. Dowie lost no more people to the plague. If you Google John Alexander Dowie, you'll find in his later years of life, he pastored outside of Chicago, Illinois. 
and the walls of his church were lined with medical paraphernalia. There were false limbs up there. Why? Because people that came with prosthetic arms didn't need them no more. Why? Because they got a real arm. People that had prosthetic legs didn't need the prosthesis anymore. Why? Because God grew out legs. One verse made him more powerful than any damnable disease he ever encountered. E.W. Kenyon, it is said of E.W. Kenyon, he never buried a church member because of disease. Old age? Yes, but not disease. Everyone say more powerful. Mm -hmm. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. The anointing that is in you. Everyone say, that's me. I don't care how well educated you are or you ain't. The anointing is of him. So what you have, listen to me, everyone look at me. I don't care what your mama called you, your daddy called you. I don't care what they labeled you. The creator of all that exists anointed you with the self-same anointing he placed upon his only begotten son. The, the same anointing that was on Jesus of Nazareth resides in and on upon you. It's not inferior in any way, shape, or form. It's capable of doing the very same things. It would be unfair for Jesus to commission us to do greater things than he did if he didn't give us an anointing capable of doing it. How could we do greater things with an inferior anointing? God is not unjust. He gave you such, you may have never tapped into it. We may have never tapped into it, but baby, the story ain't over yet. You ain't yet seen what we are capable of doing if we'll wake up and realize who we are in him. Man, you look at your own hands and go, I didn't know I could do that. When you lay your hands upon someone and they have curvature of the spine and they straighten up. I know I've done it. Woman's head was touching her hip this way and I prayed for her and she straightened up and I was like Ooh, that ain't me that's him and he's capable of doing why the same thing because he's the same yesterday today and forever but instead of doing it through a single vessel walking the dusty roads of Israel he does it through you and me amen we just gotta believe it Mm. The anointing, we've been told, is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. And this is Isaiah chapter 10. And it shall be in that day, the day of the Messiah, His burden shall be taken away from off of your shoulder, and His yoke from your neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. If you are anointed, and I've already proven you are, then you are impregnated with the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. But, Pastor, I ain't been to Bible school. I don't believe that was one of the qualifications. But, Pastor, I'm not in full-time ministry. If I had a Bible, I'd flip through it. I don't believe that's one of the qualifications. What is the qualification? In Him. 
Raise your hand if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. Then you are more powerful than you've ever realized. You are a world changer. You alter destinies. The world itself cannot be unaltered. Can't stay the same simply because you're here. Well, pastor, I just think that's egotistical. Then I just think you're ignorant. That's not ego. That's Bible. I'm not proclaiming, you know, that because I prayed for a thousand hours and fasted for 10,000 days that I'm anointed. If I fasted for 10,000 days, I'd be dead. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done. And he has recreated us in his own image and made us carriers of the Holy Ghost. Doesn't the Bible say, don't you know? You are the temple of the Holy Ghost that he abides within you. Hmm. What is a burden? Listen to this. Are you ready? I'm going to try to bring this to a close because you got work to do and we got an offering to receive and we got places to go. We got chicken to eat. What is a burden? A load. Typically a heavy one. A duty or misfortune that causes hardship, anxiety, or grief. If you're under a heavy load, financially, emotionally, relationally, physically, it doesn't, the anointing that's within you is designed by God to destroy that burden. It's designed by God to destroy that burden. Any burden that's on you presently or in the future days to come, you are anointed to destroy that burden. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to bear it because he already bore the burdens. It was laid upon him. All we got to do now is learn who we are and ask ourselves a question. Listen, listen. If an anointed man or woman was under the same stress I'm under, what would they do? Then do that. Okay, that was so deep it just passed right over. I want to say it again. Ask yourself a question. I don't who it is you admire in the body of Christ, what preacher it is you admire. Imagine they were under the same burden you're under. What would an anointed man of God what would an anointed woman of God do in this situation, bearing the burden I'm being forced to bear? What would they do? Then do what you think they would do. Would they speak to it? Then speak to it. The anointing that's on you is intended by God. Its whole purpose is to destroy those works. That's the whole purpose, to destroy those burdens. What is a yoke? Because it'll destroy the yoke. Remove the burden. A yoke has to do with being mastered in your work. Not being a master of your work. A yoke is when your labors benefit others more than yourself. You're working for them. 
they benefit. You're mastered in your work. Oh, now, pastor, I don't know about yeah, yeah, yeah. You were not born under slavery. Your life is not meant to be one of endless drudgery. Your life is intended by God to be an exciting adventure that you live a little bit of heaven to go to heaven with. This is an ideal, but it's the biblical ideal. So you're not meant to be yoked to something you hate. You, you, no, 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 no. You, the, the, no. See, God can give you witty ideas and inventions to unyoke you from the man. The anointing that's within you is intended to remove the yoke so that your labor, your life is not spent blessing others and impoverishing yourself. Amen. You're not designed to work three jobs and barely be able to keep the lights on. You're not designed nor intended by God to work so hard that you never get to enjoy life. Because life is not meant to be a punishment to prove that you deserve heaven. But see, we got to operate like we're anointed. So if an anointed man of God was being forced into the yoke that I mean, what would he or she do? Then do it. Why? Because you're just as anointed as they are. What prophet do you most admire? Do you realize you may not be gifted where they're gifted, but you're anointed where they're anointed? Don't confuse anointing with giftings. Is this okay this morning? Hmm. We must stop treating this book as if it were a common book. This book is a revelation of your kingdom self. I want to say that again. The Bible reveals two characters primarily more than anything else. It reveals the character of God and it reveals your character. See, you can't discover who God is without discovering who you really are. It's a twofold revelation. So the Bible's not a common book. It's a revelation. When you read it, you discover who your God is and you discover who you are in him. And I can prove it. We'll close with this. Is this okay this morning? Everyone say, that's me. James chapter 1, verse 22, reading it out of the Passion Translation. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry, written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. What does that mean? How many of you have ever heard me say, you can never truly appreciate redemption if you don't understand creation? Because the whole purpose of redemption is to erase the effect of sin so that you and I can be what God first created man to be. Justification is just as if sin had never existed. So if sin had never entered into the world, what would your life be like? Can you imagine such a life where you've never made a mistake? You were never not anointed. 
You never knew a day without his presence. You never knew a day where you didn't hear his voice. And you never knew a day where sin became between you and him. That's what your life is meant to be like right now. Right now. Because you're recreated. Recreated. Re. I spent money at Bible school to learn this. I'm giving it to you for free. Recreated. Recreated. That means your life is meant to be as if you're in the Garden of Eden. Right now. Right now. Why? Because I don't know a day without his presence. I don't know a day without his voice. I don't know a day without his help. I don't know a day without success. Now the man who hears the word but doesn't act as if it's true, he's like someone who sees his face in the beginning but then he forgets about it. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. You live as if you're impotent, helpless, hopeless, and a victim. Hmm. But those, verse 25, and this is where we close, but those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Listen, if the message of grace doesn't leave you in awe, then you ain't hearing the message of grace. Andrew Womack says it's the nearly too good to be true news. This is nearly too good to be true. To hear that I'm as anointed as Jesus is, and that if I won't forget that, listen, it doesn't mean you won't live a, have a life of opposition. Jesus had opposition. But in the face of the opposition, we don't forget our divine origin. In the face of the opposition, I realize that that which comes against me comes not only against me, it comes against the one who created me and the greater one who abides within me and the anointing he placed on me. So how can you lose? How can you be overcome? How can you be run off, run down, and run out? You are a champion of the kingdom. It doesn't even matter if you've not won a battle yet. Story ain't over. And just like John Alexander Dowie, all you got to do is believe one of the things I said today. Just one. Just one. Man. For a church that becomes the devil's nightmare. Maybe that's what we ought to rename it. We go to a new place, we ought to call it Devil's Nightmare Church. Stand to your feet.